0: We'll hear insight and perspective from two guests that fill some of the many roles within this incredible industry. Welcome to the Room Block and enjoy your stay. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Room Block podcast. Before we get started today, I just have a couple of announcements that I'd like to go through. First of all, I just want to let everybody know that starting in January, there are going to be weekly episodes of the Room Block for you to enjoy. Of course, I'm going to keep my every other week format with the conversations coming at you. But on my off weeks, there's going to be an alternative format of either just solo shows or one on one conversations, slightly shorter episodes, just a variety of formats and information to keep things fresh and exciting. So be on the lookout. I'll talk more about it in coming episodes in advance of actually releasing my first one. The other thing I want to mention is how much I really do appreciate everybody who tunes into the podcast and has been so supportive of me throughout this journey. One very easy way that you can show your support is to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It really means a lot when other people might check out the show and they see that hey, there's there's people who enjoy listening to this. And also, if you have not already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode. So on to today's show, I wanted to explore a topic that has been revealing itself more and more in the form of an acronym after people's names and titles, and that would be DES, or Digital Event Strategist. I wanted to learn more about the certification, what it takes to get it, and if it is paying off for the people that have gotten it. So In today's episode, I am joined by two association meeting planners who both recently got their DES certifications, and they are going to talk us through their experience with the course and the test, how they've been able to apply the DES certification to their current job roles, and they're also going to tell us who should get certified and why it's really more important now than ever and as we move into the future of our industry. So, we have with us today Amanda Dusky, who is the Associate Director of Conference Services at the Alzheimer's Association, and Carrie Messenger, who is Senior Manager of the Meetings at the Association Management Center. Let's hear from Amanda and Carrie as they chat us through the DES certification. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me. We are now on episode 11 of the Roomblock Podcast. And today I have with me Carrie Messenger and Amanda Dusky. Thank you both for being here.
1: Hi, Thank you for, having, for us.
0: having us. Hi, thanks. So, listen, you two, I just have to tell you that um, I've had, so I said it's episode 11, and I've had a variety of guests on the show at this point. I've had, you know, hoteliers, I've had CVB, global salespeople. You are my first two, I believe, official meeting planners.
1: Oh, oh wow.
0: Oh my goodness. Yes. So I'm super excited because it's I mean, I feel like a portion of my audience, a good portion of the audience, is meeting planners, or I hope it is. (laughs) So I'm very happy to have you both here and and be my first official meeting planner guest. So thank you very much. Right. Very cool. Yeah. Yes. And you both also share something in common. Um which is it's just kind of why I wanted to invite you both on the show today. Um, and that would be your DES certification. You both recently got that this year, correct? Yeah,
1: yeah. that's right. Spring. Spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I received mine in the summer.
0: Well, I think that's, I feel like it's a hot topic just because it's, you know, you're on LinkedIn and you see like everybody's going through and getting like getting their certification um, just because A, people have some extra time this year, but B, it's seemed to be pop up as something that is a necessity in 2020 and beyond. So before we get too much into that, I'd love to circle back and just kind of get from each of you what your stories are. How did you get into industry? You know, what, what is the history of your career starting from scratch?
1: Sure. Yeah, I'll start. So again, I am Carrie messenger, and I always like to start my story with uh, high school and my first job in high school, which I am proud to say was at Popeye's chicken and biscuits. Yes. Um, <laughs> I absolutely loved working there. I was employee of the month twice and I was very proud of it. Um, I had my picture up as well and right when you entered, so it was really super cool to do that. And I just loved interacting with all of our customers that came in. And my dad always said he knew I needed to be in hospitality because I just was so good working the register and chatting with everyone and always assisting the guest So after that, I did decide to go into hospitality and I went to Purdue University because I'm from Indiana. So go state school, yay. Yay. (laughs) And I did hospitality there where I graduated in 2009, which of course was right around the recession time. So super fun trying to find a job. And I was fortunate enough, I was able to do an internship that was through Purdue with a hospitality program in Nanjing, China. So right after graduation I went to China for six months and worked in a hotel in China, um, learning how they serve their guests and their customers for those six months, um, which was such a unique and wonderful opportunity. Just learned more about customer service as well as of course getting an opportunity to travel to a different part of the world that I never thought I'd have a chance to do. And so early on, too. Yes, that was amazing. And since it was really hard for uh, positions to be hiring at that time, it just gave me a little more wiggle room. So when I came back, things were picking up a little bit more. So I was so lucky that that worked out as well. So then when I came back, again, I still knew I wanted to stay in hospitality. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in hospitality. I knew a ton about hotels as well as restaurants but that didn't really make sense for what i saw my future in but i still again wasn't sure where i wanted to go i knew i loved planning things but i didn't really know what that meant and then as i was searching for jobs i came across something where it talked about planning for associations and of course i never heard of such a thing until then (laughs) And I applied and it was actually to Smith Buckland, which of course opened up so many doors learning about association, association management, and of course meeting planning. So I got the position at Smith Buckland. I started with their registration team and then moved into their planning department as well and just learned a ton about this industry that I'm still in and still love. Um, I stayed at Smith Buckland for three years and then I went to a standalone association over at Academy of General Dentistry. And then after that, I went to where I am now, AMC, Association Management Center, which I, where I met Amanda Dusky, and we worked together for a few years, which was wonderful. Mm. And that's where I got to where I am now. And I am very happy in my position and I work with a wonderful group of people. And yeah, that's kind of my story.
0: Oh my gosh, that's great. Well first of all, what a cool background. I mean, you are one of the few people that's been on the show that actually went to school specifically for this industry. I feel
1: like yeah, also, yeah. there's like,
0: you know, a lot of people just kind of like, I fell into it. You know? yeah, right. So yeah. that's great. You did it with intention.
1: Uh-huh. So excellent. Yeah. I was kind of talking to Amanda about that too. And I was like, you know, because I was listening to your podcast and heard that. And it was like, It's kind of funny because we're kind of like that next group that's like, okay, I want to go to school to do this. And we started doing hospitality. And now like this next group coming in is like very much they knew about hospitality. And now they even know the next part of what they could do with like associations and that portion. That's the portion I never even heard about. And I feel like the next group is so educated about it. It's like, wow, I can't wait to see where this industry goes even more as these new guys are coming in. So yeah, it's very exciting to see.
0: That is an excellent point, because maybe it is kind of a generational thing, if you will, um, because I certainly, I mean, I did not know that this industry existed when Mm -hmm. I was in school, right? I mean, so I am definitely one of the people that fell into it too. Um, I totally agree with you that there's like a, total savviness among college students now. Um, and just, and I think we can credit that to a lot of PCMAs outreach, or other mm-hmm. industry organizations that are trying to educate um, students on like, this is an industry, this is a viable career, and we are going to keep Absolutely. it a viable career.
1: Yeah. Gosh darn it. <laughs> that is very true. Yep, it is us going back and making sure they know we are out there. And this is the place to go. So that is such a great point.
0: All right. So Amanda, how about tell us what your story is?
1: So
2: going along with that, I'm kind of 50 50. So I, I really didn't know I was going to do this until halfway through college. Um, I started off as an interior design major, actually. um, And that wasn't working out. So I literally sat down one day and was like, I need to figure out what the heck I'm doing. And I thought about I was good at which was organizing, planning, getting things together and I literally just went with it. So from that point on you know I did my google search and I said okay this sounds like you know meeting planning sounds like this could fit. So I pretty much just went with it from there Um, and after I graduated you know I had no idea what industry I wanted to be in. I didn't even know what industries were out there so um, I was applying everywhere to um, you know corporate companies and hotels and very long story short I just ended up at AMC where I met Carrie Um, I actually started in the member services department and I had actually applied for a job there in the registration department and I was interviewing with who would be my future manager although I didn't know it yet and um, she realized from my interview that I really didn't want to work in registration I really wanted to be part of the meetings team where you're like planning the actual events. So um, the HR person that I interviewed with convinced me to start a member services and, you know, just wait for a spot to open up in the meetings department, which is what I did. And after about a year working there, I made my way into the meetings department. Um, And I was there for almost five years. Um, It's where I got my CMP. I learned a ton while I was there. And then after I left, I've been to a, mm, a couple couple jobs in between AMC and where I'm at now, but I think when I left is when I really realized that I did want to work in associations, because I tapped into a little bit of um, just smaller scale meetings, um, a little bit more corporate, and um, I did realize that I wanted to work in associations. So I made my way back, and now I'm at the Alzheimer's Association um, coming up on... My one year anniversary pretty soon
0: oh wow congratulations thank you so you know what a good point about the type of meeting planning opportunities that would exist in associations versus say a corporate entity Mm -hmm. i mean i i know that on the say on the hotel sales side very different to sell and service, (laughs) those kind of meetings, right? Associations, you know, they tend to take a little bit longer to move and to plan or or to, you know, make a decision and corporate was like, we need Mm -hmm. that. You need to send your proposal in yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like, where is it? The meeting is tomorrow. (laughs) You know, so... I can see where if I had to go, if I had an opportunity to go on the meeting planning side, um, I feel like association would be it for me as well. Um, but I think that I'm just saying that because that's the world that I've been in for
2: so long. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you just feel so much more connected, as opposed to being you know, more removed from the end result. That's just my my personal feelings.
0: True. Maybe there's like a lot different ropes to go through or tape mm-hmm. to cut through with corporate meetings. I feel like there was, you know, there's like third parties on top of third parties and top of third parties, where in association world, it seems like it's a little bit more, I don't know, centralized, but
2: yeah, I would agree.
0: Well, good. Okay. So you're both in your current positions still today, which is outstanding. Congratulations for making yes. it through 2020. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We're very fortunate. In-
1: Yes. yes, that is
0: true. So let's go back to the beginning of 2020. No, <laughs> we, do we, we have no. to? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm, we're almost at the end. I don't want to go back. But well, and it's funny, it was when I started this podcast, I was like, I'm not talking about the pandemic. I just I don't want to. I want to talk about people's stories, and that's it. And then I'm like, how mm-hmm. can I avoid talking about this? It I know, was like I, I had to. Yeah. And and it what I found is that it really factors in to so many amazing stories and mm-hmm. and i think that's going to be the case for you both as well so i'm really curious you know i've heard the perspective from hoteliers like i said and and other you know vendors throughout this podcast as far as planners what was going through your mind how how did it feel when everything first started to Go down in March, and, and you realized that things were about to change. What was what, how were you feeling?
2: Well, I, I personally, I think I was in. I, I know I was in denial for a bit. I mean, I thought we were going home for two weeks, and that was going to be it. And I was like, okay, two weeks at home, I can definitely do that. Sounds great. Um, but then you know, once you saw how many people were getting laid off and furloughed and having to go to part-time, not just in our industry, but every single industry. Um, That's kind of when it started hitting for me. And, you know, I wasn't in the workforce during the last recession. So I was like pretty removed and sheltered and just had never experienced anything like this. So it was, you know, shocking. Um, And then I think, Once we, you know, had our big town hall as a company and they basically said we were working from home indefinitely, that's when I kind of realized, okay, you know, this is gonna be different for a while.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: And, you know, we actually had a meeting that we had to cancel a couple weeks after that. So that was another thing that I was like, okay, we're already canceling things. And, you know, at that point I was like, it's three weeks out, you know, we can't cancel this, but sure enough we did.
0: It's, I think about it when we first got word of, our meetings. So I I came from the housing bureau side. So um, the meetings, I think it was housewares was the first one Mm -hmm. to cancel. And it was just like, what? And then it just all started to happen like dominoes. But it was really still just the March and April events. But then when things started to cancel into May and June, we're like, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is real. Yeah. Not to to relive all that, but Yeah, I had no
2: idea anything like this would spread. I guess I just had never experienced anything like this. Really, none of us have. But yeah, once you saw it start spreading through the United States, then it was like, whoa.
0: Exactly. I was in denial too, but then you saw it. It just kept going. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. how about you, Carrie? I know that you probably had a similar experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so funny. Like you said, none of us ever thought about this. And yeah, I think we're from March till now, how we think about everything is so different. Because just like Amanda said, I thought we were going to be home for two weeks. I remember packing my desk with my coworkers, saying, okay, make sure you bring enough stuff home for two weeks, three weeks max. And here we are still home, what, nine months later or so. Yeah. So it's kind of like in that retrospect. And now we're like, of course, it's going to be way longer than that. So for me, kind of the same thing. I started out 2020 feeling good about things. Um, I planned a meeting, executed a meeting in February. And you started hearing about this COVID coming, but still like, hi, everything's fine. Like, we're still going to move on with everything. And then I attended a meeting for a group that I was on the board for, AWE Association for Women and Events, and a group I was so passionate about that I was involved the first time I served on a board as well. We had our second annual meeting ever, so that was very exciting and just felt on top of the world. Went to Las Vegas, uh, had a fantastic meeting, fantastic turnout, Um, that was the beginning of March. So on the way home, you know, on the plane, people are starting to clorox their seats a little bit more stuff like that so it's like okay like that's interesting you know, i've never seen that everyone do that at once like once you know you used to see one person do that yeah that one too. person yeah <laughs> the one person
0: in and, the you're like, <laughs> yeah, and you're just like
1: yeah you just like roll your eyes like whatever <laughs> and truly every single person was doing it myself included and it was just like it was getting a little eerie so Got home and then, yeah, I think I went into work a day or two and then that was pack your stuff. We're heading home. So it was starting to get a little bit nervous. And then, like Amanda said, all of a sudden we see all of our vendor partners getting laid off or furloughed, as well as other people in different industries. And then that's when we hear we are pulling the plug for all of our spring conferences. And again, I felt like that was something I could handle because... As a planner, you're like, okay, I have this contract. It says right in here, what needs to be done for force majeure and our hotel partners, our CBBs were great handling that. Obviously we all had to figure it out together, but very straightforward, very something we could all do totally fine. And then as we kept going, um, we had new things we were facing of just like, okay, well, what's next after this? Um, We found out that AWE, um, due to all of our sponsorship, kind of going away from everyone being furloughed, unfortunately, had to decide to um, close. So that was also very upsetting for me as well, because now it's like, okay, that's something that I put so much passion and effort to. And now it's all of a sudden gone and going into work and being with people and having that passion around me as well is gone. So now I'm starting to be like, okay, well, my meetings are gone, my whole April, where I was going to be traveling from this meeting to this meeting to this meeting, is all of a sudden off the table. So it was really all these things starting to add up of what is our industry going to look like or where did our industry go all within these few weeks? So it was just a very scary time where as someone being a leader on my team, I didn't know what to say to my other team members because I didn't know. All you could do is just kind of wait and see what would happen. Right. You're like
2: sad and anxious and nervous and no one knows how to feel.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
2: That's such a good point. I can totally
0: relate to the fact of being somebody, I, I oversaw my department and I would have team members turn to me and be like, well, would you know what's going on? Like, what's going to happen? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm in the same boat <laughs> as you guys. And, and it was really hard because dealing with your own sorrow and grief about what was happening, but then you want to take care of everybody else, too um Mm -hmm. just because that's how Mm -hmm. how it is when you're in this industry right and you're just used to to being supportive to so many different people yeah so and yeah
2: I will say there was also um I had quite a bit of survivor's guilt you know just I know I'm very fortunate to have kept a full-time job but seeing so many people that you have worked with for so many years and were so close to just flat out losing their jobs and you know they also had other big things going on in their lives that year that they had to cancel and it was just heartbreaking
1: mm-hmm. yeah. uh-huh. that is so true because like i'm saying this and going through how like upset i was about xyz and it's like well why i all i had to do was walk from my bedroom to my <laughs> office and i'm complaining about it like that's yeah. so unfair but it's still so hard on your you know on your mental health that you don't get to go do what you're so used to doing or what you built your life to do. So it was a very much a balancing act of still making sure you're giving yourself time to grieve for those things you lost, even though yes, many, many other people are feeling this as well.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you really can't diminish your own experience. I mean, just because you happen to have retained your employment. I mean, that is wonderful. And I guess that takes away one element of stress, but not all the others. You know, they're all the other elements are still there. And in a way, I have felt worse sometimes for the people that are still working at my old company, because I know that, you know, Mm of a company of 200 and now there's like 40 left and it's like that was that's a lot of work mm-hmm. <laughs> that only 40 people are doing like the clients are there's still expectations and there's still things that have to be done and met and without the support and of all the other team members that were once there so you know for you being both of you still working you, like you said, you have hotel partners or other vendors that are no longer there. I mean, it does, it changes everything. So when you are still grieving employment in some way, you happen to still have a job, but there's other parts of it that just are gone. Mm-hmm. Not to mention everything else right. <laughs> <is> go, <laughs> that goes yeah. with the past year. Well, okay. So now you both talked about meetings that had to cancel, obviously. Um, but it was funny because I was having lunch with a with a girlfriend over the summer, and we were talking about meetings. And I'm like, "Yo, meetings aren't happening." And she goes, "No, no, Jen, they are happening, but they're virtual." You know, don't forget, like people are making this happen. And I was like, "Right, it is still happening." So, for you guys, I assume at this point you have both dabbled in virtual events planned. Like, how how was it to make the decision if you've had to do that to to translate a meeting that was once alive into virtual, like was was there a lot of discussion? Um, just cancel this outright. Like, how do you decide to take something and actually give it a go and make it virtual?
2: So for me, it was um, there wasn't really a lot of time to think about it. Um, we had our big annual conference just a couple months after we went home, so it was. You know we have to do this fast and we have to do it now and we have to figure it out as we go because there was just no time to think any other way um obviously now it's it's kind of great that that's what happened to us because we learned so much in such a short amount of time and not just about that platform that we use but other ones that we have so many other meetings now that we know we can do virtual but also we have that experience to kind of figure out how to do it and have a, you know, more extended planning timeline.
0: It was like trial by fire.
2: <laughs> exactly. But with so
0: you're right, I mean, in a way, was as painful and difficult as it must have been, you know, because in the beginning, everybody was just trying to figure it out. Like, you know, what, yeah. who do we even work with to, to put on a virtual event?
2: Mm-hmm. It was really great that we have, um, we have a larger team. Um, so we have I think seven seven or eight people on our team that we were able to kind of you know take certain sections of the meeting and each person would work on that and then make it all come together so it wasn't just one person doing everything which i think helped a ton
0: all right well good and you're positioned well for for the next one <laughs> so how about you Carrie have you have you planned virtual meetings at this point
1: oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um oh yeah <laughs> it's interesting with um At association management center uh, with having different clients and different meetings coming at different times we are across the board of planning different things so right away with our spring meetings we cancelled so we are you know experts at figuring out what to do with force majeure and all that good (laughs) stuff um, which again, like I said, that was, I, I hate to word, use the word easy, but that was probably the easiest part of the whole game of 2020. And then as we got into the fall, many of our groups had to autopilot and jump in to planning this virtual meeting. And just like Amanda said, it's one of those, you had to become the expert quickly and, um, use your resources and how and make it work. And of course you learn as well what doesn't work. And we're lucky because once we had one of our clients uh, go through a certain system, they could provide their feedback to other AMC clients. And then we could start to build off of that and what works, what doesn't work to keep going from there. So we definitely as a whole got um, a crash course in understanding virtual events, which, um, which kept us busy, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that was great. Um, and right now too, I'm starting to plan for 21 in hopes that we will have a hybrid meeting in the fall of 21. And for me, I'm super excited for that because I would love to be back in person in some way, some form. Yeah. Uh And still bringing in what we learned from virtual, because now we're going to be putting that in with uh, being in person again. And all of um, what will probably still be in place, these uh, social distancing rules and what makes sense and what's still in order. And yes, we might have to edit those as we move forward, but making sure we keep everyone as safe as possible on site. Uh So yeah lots of moving parts but learning a ton as well Mm
2: -hmm. yeah we have um we're planning for pretty much incorporating some kind of virtual component for all of our meetings going forward um Mm -hmm. and we actually had a new meeting this fall that was fully virtual that went so well that we're going to plan on probably doing it virtual all the time so i think it's just been eye-opening you know how successful it can be Mm um and and how many more you know how much more reach you can get by doing things virtually totally i it's it's
0: almost surprising that i, I know that there there were meetings that had virtual components already that was already something that was going on but now it seems that like hybrid is gonna be the way to go mm-hmm. for so many, so mm-hmm. many meetings moving forward because your reach is so much more vast. You know yeah. when you see about the registration for this used to be you know two hundred, but then it was four hundred over mm-hmm. you know virtual because so many more people were able to go.
1: Right, right. I know for our groups that do have a large international membership, the virtual have just been so fantastic as we mm-hmm. can finally incorporate those that truly can't make it every year. So Mm -hmm. like Amanda said, I know we're going to have some type of virtual moving forward. And I mean, I think everyone's been teetering on the edge of knowing we need to do something like that. And then COVID has pushed it over where it's like, all right, we got to do this instead Mm -hmm. of just being like, yeah, maybe in the future, but we don't have the budget now. So if we can say a good thing came from this, I guess we can say that. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it it does seem to be working for the purposes that it, it serves. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: all right. So on the topic of virtual events, then you're talking about, you know, you had the crash course and learning how to do these. So you both have your DES certifications. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what I want to know is, could you talk through your experience with getting that? What made you decide, okay, this is something that I have to get? Uh, What was it like to go through the course? Was it a ton of extra work? Talk us through the experience.
2: So I, you know, the DES, I had heard about it and it, it was in the back of my mind, you know, just thinking, okay, this is something I can get in the future. I had my CMP, you know, why not get some more experience? I figured down the line, I will probably at some point have a job that incorporates something with virtual. But, you know, once we went home, kind of right after I was in that denial phase, I was kind of like in panic mode. And that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to do this right now. I knew and I still think, you know, a face-to-face meeting is still going to be what a majority of the people want to go to. But like we just said, you're going to have so much more reach um, incorporating some kind of virtual component that everyone's probably going to do it. So I think within probably a month of being home, I applied. I just knew it would help not just for current my current position, but also you know for future job security. And with all these people that we know that are outside of the industry um, who have lost their jobs, you just know that every open position, there's gonna be so much competition. And this is probably something, if not the DES, something similar to it. That's what employers are gonna be looking for so for me i think the application process was super easy just on the pcma website Um, i personally did the self-paced course so i could really um watch the it's a series of video modules that has accompanying materials so for me personally i would read the materials and then watch the video that went along with it and then go back and take notes as i was watching but it was pretty um it was pretty self-explanatory as far as like how to go through the process. Um, I will say it was it was a lot of work. Um, it took up a lot of hours, but also you know at that point we were in lockdown. We couldn't go out. We couldn't see friends on the weekends. You know it was it was a way to fill your time. Um, and I was able to do it while I was at home, which was great. The DES um, you recertify every two years, so it's it's definitely a way to show that. You're keeping up with the industry trends, and um, you know to show your you know potential or current employers that you are um, continually being educated, and even you know more so kind of than the CMP because the CMP is every five years. Mm-hmm. But you know digital, I guess, changes a lot more frequently as far as um, you know what's expected. So
0: is there also a live option or or like a live teaching option? Or is it only a a self-taught module?
2: Yeah, I know there is a live option. Um, I'm not super familiar with how it works, but I, I believe they meet as a group, I'm sure on like a zoom call or something once a week. So I think you probably still study someone on your own, um, and then get together once a week. I think it's over a series of a couple months, maybe.
0: And how long did it take you to go through the self-taught module?
2: Probably about a month. um, And then I took the test after that, but I think I took a couple weeks to study before actually applying for the exam.
0: Oh, okay. So you have to apply for the exam separately.
2: Yeah. So you purchase the course and then at the end, um, and I think it's a little bit different now from when I've taken it, but I looked online and it looks like it's pretty similar. still, where you get access to the courses and the materials, And then when you're ready to take the test, you um, pay to schedule your exam.
0: And so, Carrie, was your experience pretty similar?
1: Yeah, I would say it's pretty similar. I think for me when setting out to get the the, DES certification, I had it on my radar as far as I knew several people that were certified. And I'm a part of PCM. PCMA, and they were starting to promote it more to get certified, as we all see more digital stuff was coming through even prior to COVID. Um, but it wasn't really in my goals to do it anytime in the near future. I was actually focusing more on getting my CAE certification, so certification for association association executives. Um, and then once we did go into lockdown and then we saw that everything was pivoting to move to virtual events i knew it just was the writing on the wall that i needed to focus on being certified to have my des and those that were my peers were also getting certified at that time i know i spoke to amanda about it because she did mention she was in the process of getting hers And it made sense that I needed to change my goal at that moment to work on getting my DES. So once I made that decision, I was lucky because I had the buy in from my director to go ahead and start working on this at that time as well, because it was early summer and we knew for the rest of the summer and into the fall we were going to be specifically just focusing on planning virtual events Uh so i again applied through pcma i know several other places offered as well i know mpi does as well and then um like amanda said application process very simple and straightforward we're both members of pcma so i'm sure that was very easy as well since they already had our information and then um I also did the self pace, it made more sense for me because again, I needed to fast track to ensure I could get certified sooner rather than later, just to keep on par with um, the changing times uh, Mm -hmm. that were happening in my company as well as through the industry. And I also completed all of the online modules within a month. And it was a lot of time, like Amanda said as well. I know I dedicated many hours throughout the week in order to get through all of the videos. And then I think at the end they had practice tests as well.
2: We should probably have a disclaimer that, you know, it was during a time where there was literally nothing else to do. So (laughs) probably, you know, once normal life resumes and you have things to be doing and errands to be running, you know. It's it'll probably take you longer than a month. Um, yeah, but we you know we had a lot of time.
1: Yeah, like Amanda said, it really was priority. Like I know I put mm-hmm. aside a lot of stuff to do this because we were all so nervous too because we just didn't know what the future was going to look like. Right, and this sh- made us made something at least make sense of. Okay, we can learn this, and this can be like Amanda said too um, something to show that we are certified in this new technology or this new way of planning for the future. And then I received my CAE, or excuse me, I received my CMP in 2017 and I, I'm i not a test taker. I, I hate taking tests, I always have. Uh, so I'm so glad I'm done with school. But when I took my CMP, um, I did well, really well on it as far as I know. They didn't actually tell me how many I got right, I just know I passed. <laughs> Um, but I knew when I took it, I felt very confident with the answers because it was something I was already doing every day for many years. Yeah. And with the DES, this was something I was basically learning from scratch. And for me, that was something I had to really study and understand. Mm-hmm. So I know, like Amanda said, um, she was reading through the notes a lot as well. And there was a, um, Uh, a practice test. I studied that practice test a ton, Mm -hmm. as well as those post questions after every module. Those were really my saving grace as well. I had to really go back and quiz myself to ensure I knew exactly what I needed to be focusing on and learning from that course so I could fully understand what was needed.
2: I would agree on the practice test. It was super helpful. And I think at least when we did it, Um, I think it was after you purchased the exam, someone from PCMA emailed you a link to the practice test that you could take for free twice. So that was super helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just going along with what Carrie said, it is, you know, I would say 10 percent of the things on there on the exam, you probably are somewhat familiar with, depending on like, you know, your AV knowledge. But it was really just all new information and all new concepts that you it's, it's hard to, um, you know, memorize when you haven't exactly put it into practice yet. Mm-hmm. I bet. Well,
0: I'm glad that you brought up the CMP um, test as well. Just like the, I was going to ask about the differences. Um, and I think it's funny that you mentioned about the CMP being easier because it's something that you have been doing and put into practice. I feel like when I took the CMP you know, I've always been on more like the hotel side. So I think when I took it, I, you know, I'd never been on the planning side. And so mm-hmm. there were some, I felt like there were some, even hotel questions where I'm like, that's not really how it works, but okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, they, yeah. and they would say you have to take off your hotel, your hat, and like just mm-hmm. answer the question the way that we're mm-hmm. teaching it to you. But those practice tests were so helpful because then you learn oh, the yeah. way that the questions are going to be worded.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. I have a colleague that's studying right now to take her CMP in a couple of weeks, and she was saying that too. She's like they call this setting this, like, what is that about? I'm like, I don't know. Just learn it from right? the test and move on. <laughs> so yes, I exactly. totally agree with that.
2: <laughs> In case anyone's listening who is taking their CMP soon, I will just say I use the um, CMP Pocket Prep app. And that was by far my saving grace. It was amazing. And it's free, wow. I believe. Ooh.
1: Yeah, we're not being sponsored for anything, nope. this, but if somebody <laughs> wants to sponsor us, you can reach out to Jen.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> wow, their apps weren't even a thing when I took the test. <laughs> I just had a lot of books, but that is so cool. All right, I'm glad that there are resources out there that are helpful for that.
1: One more thing to add to that, um, PCMA, even if you did the, um, the fast track course like Amanda and I did, they did offer office hours so you could pop in and just ask any questions, anything you had um, trouble understanding. Uh, yep. one, I think it was once a week that it was offered. Yeah. Um, I personally didn't take advantage of it, but for those that needed just some feedback or something, you're not just like given this course and sent out to learn it on your own. Yep. Um, you at least have some type of um, structure or someone to go to for feedback and questions.
0: How nice to have so much support, but that's PCMA for you, right? I mean, they they think Mm -hmm. of everything.
1: (laughs) And it seems like
2: they've really revamped it since we, I'm sure they were thinking about it, but then when this all hit, I'm sure it was, again, they were on the fast track to update all this. um, So I'm sure there's even more resources available now. Right. Could be. Exactly. So again, on
0: the topic of like having your CMP or like you said, carry your CAE, who should get their DES certification? I mean, there's a lot of people across the industry as a whole that have their CMP, right? Certified Meeting Professional. Mm -hmm. Like, so again, I had it as a hotelier, you guys are planners, would a hotelier benefit from getting their DES or is it really just kind of geared towards people who are specifically planning digital virtual events? You know,
1: that's a good question because I think it's one of those It's going to start growing on the planner side first, and then I could see um, our hotel partners starting to get it and then growing more on that side. Um, I personally, as I start to have more in-person meetings or hybrid meetings again, if I came in and my um, hotel rep had their DES, I'd be super pumped to see that. Um, but I also know a lot of people are still like, what's a DES <laughs> who are in the industry? <laughs> so it's kind of that. I think it's going to take a few more years to catch on, but if we're seeing this trend as it keeps going, uh, it's going to be just more and more digital, uh, meetings taking place. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for someone listening right now, that's in the industry and- is a planner, I would highly recommend getting their DES. And for someone who's more on the hotelier side, um, I would say definitely keep an eye on it. And that could be something you would want to start pursuing in maybe a year or two.
2: Yeah, especially with more hybrid meetings, you know, planners are going to be looking for, just like they would look towards their CSM for advice on or suggestions for their in person meeting. If you're doing a hybrid, You know, you're going to want to go to them for suggestions too.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that knowing that hybrid meetings are going to be in the future, and that could mean, like we were talking about on, on my. A couple episodes ago, I had a director of sales and, and revenue manager on the show. And we were talking about how they're like, Yeah, we still want to have a meeting at your hotel, but instead of a thousand rooms, we only need like 25. You know? And they're like, Oh, oh okay. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, okay, so let's assume, let's fast forward a couple years and we are having a component of people meeting at the hotel and staying at the hotel. But like, I feel like it's the hotels that have the knowledge and the experience with really consulting and assisting their clients with virtual events, those are the hotels that are gonna win, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe it's it's as as time goes on and hoteliers can get their certification or -hmm. other vendors too, I don't mean just hoteliers. I mean, there's so many, right? But the more people who have the knowledge of how to put on an event like that, the better off they'll be as we move into the future
2: yeah and i wouldn't be surprised honestly if some hotels start you know having their um you know dedicated streaming rooms that you know have some Mm -hmm. equipment in there or whatnot that you'll be able to use i could totally see that happening in the future
0: i agree i mean i think they're gonna kind of have to or at least the ones who really want to participate with major meetings in the future which is Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of them i would think Mm -hmm. so oh man yeah it, it's exciting. You know, it's scary, but exciting, I guess, when you think about all the possibilities that are yet to come. Yeah. It sounds like it's pretty much a must-have for planners to have their DES, which I think is, you know, that totally makes sense. As far as your experience with just the past eight months, you know, going, going from where you were at with in-person meetings being canceled, moving into this virtual world and and all the other things that you have done and accomplished. (laughs) What are your main takeaways from the past eight months? And and of those, how are you going to use them as you move into the next stage of your careers?
1: Oh, all right. Well, (laughs) I guess my main takeaways are it's not as scary as I thought it would be. I personally, I've never been, you know, a tech person, never overly interested in technology. Um, I knew what I needed to order for AV, and that was about it. And I feel like these last few months, I have just learned so, so much more about what goes into everything from recording to streaming to everything needing to be set up on the back end. And it's truly not as scary as i thought so if i can do it someone else out there can do it as well so that is probably one of my biggest takeaways and i think just i don't know i'd almost say like promoting myself as well um i think even like this like having the opportunity to come on your podcast and just get my name out there a little bit more and show that like i can create opportunities where maybe. There isn't, you know, you don't always have an opportunity out there. Um, and I got connected with you, Jen, just for someone I know mentioned they were looking for someone who just got their DES, and here we are. So I think those are the two things I've really learned from 2020. Yeah,
2: I mean, I would agree with your first point that you knew nothing about. I mean, the only thing I knew about streaming AV before March was that you needed a dedicated internet line. That was literally it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and look at you now. (laughs) Right. And it was, it was scary. And as planners, you know, you want to be in control of everything. And it's very uncomfortable when you're not familiar with something. And, you know, getting the DES or any other type of virtual certification offered, it really just helped, um, you know, become more familiar, at least with the concepts before you actually had to put it into practice. So, no, I still wasn't a hundred percent comfortable because I've never done it before. Until you, you know, do it yourself and go through it once, twice, three times, you're still not as comfortable. But it at least gave you um, a good overview as to what to expect for, you know, sending out the RFP and how to rate companies that you get back and what type of AV will you actually need for a hybrid meeting. Um, I think it was just a really good intro for what you're going to need to do to put on these virtual or hybrid events. Um, I personally don't think, this is just my personal opinion, that you know face-to-face meetings are gonna decrease because people could do them virtually. I don't think that's gonna be the case. I think it'll just, people want to go to face-to-face meetings. I think, like I said before, it just increases your reach. And you know for people who couldn't come to your annual meeting this year, because they can't travel or they have lower budgets, um, or for whatever reason, they're still able to attend and feel connected. And maybe you convert some of those people to in-person attendees next time. And I think, you know, both members and non-members will see the benefits that you're providing.
0: Exactly. You're so right. No, I I agree with you. I don't think that face-to-face is is going away. I think people are craving it. But Mm -hmm. the virtual component is additive, and it's just going to enhance everything. So you know, it's something for everybody. And that is, honestly, probably as planners, what your goal is, you know, to when you're when you have a meeting, you're planning a meeting, and you're trying to figure out what is the intent of this meeting? I mean, you're really trying to think of how can we serve our membership base, or whoever, you know, whatever, whoever the attendees are. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. And then it just comes down to, you know, how how can we make sure that everybody can take away something from this? And if it's just as simple as how can we make sure everybody can attend, then that's, you know, a great starting point. Well, thank you both so much. I thought this was a really interesting conversation about everything that has happened to you both. And I give you both a ton of credit you know just for making it through to this point here we are in december of 2020 and you made it through through some really tough job scenarios and the outside of job scenarios so congratulations and congratulations to you both on earning your des thank you
1: so much thank, thank, you. thank you for having us yeah thank you this is awesome
0: Thank you again to Amanda and Carrie for giving us the scoop on the DES certification and how it is helping them now and will most certainly continue to do so in the future. If anyone was on the fence before listening to this episode, hopefully you now have the information you need to decide if getting DES certified is worth it for you. Well, that is a wrap on episode 11, and I want to hear from you. Please send feedback, show ideas, comments, questions, and of course, interest in participating to me at roomblockpodcast at gmail.com, or send me a message on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for joining me today, and please remember to subscribe to The Room Block so you can continue to join in the conversation.